Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Kai Wright, host of WNYC's podcast, The United States of Anxiety. This season, we're focusing on gender and power, themes that are upending the 2018 elections. On the Politics Brief podcast from WNYC, you get the best of our political coverage with segments from my show, as well as from The Takeaway, The Brian Lehrer Show, and On the Media, plus local reporting on New York and New Jersey races from our award-winning newsroom. Welcome to Politics Brief from WNYC. It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning again, everyone. And now our candidate interview with Cynthia Nixon running in the Democratic primary for governor of New York this Thursday. Yes, Thursday against incumbent Andrew Cuomo. Ms. Nixon, we really appreciate you coming on when your time is so valuable two days before the vote. Welcome back to WNYC. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. And listeners, as with all our candidate interviews this primary season, Cynthia Nixon will take questions from you as well as me. Our phones are open at 212-433-WNYC-433-9692. This is not your electioneering moment, though, folks. We'll do that on Thursday. Questions for the candidate would be the most informative for your fellow listeners. So call in with questions for Cynthia Nixon at 212-433-9692. To begin on the latest news, the campaign headlines the last few days have been about this pro-Cuomo mailing from the state Democratic Party that everyone agrees is outrageous, even the governor that calls you silent on the issue of anti-Semitism, that falsely says you support the boycott, divest, and sanction movement against Israel, and you oppose the public funding of yeshivas, a position I gather you have not taken. And they, of course, don't mention that you attend a synagogue and are raising your children Jewish. The Times editorial board says Cuomo should apologize to you. Mayor de Blasio says apologizing in a tweet is laughable. Has the governor apologized to you? The governor has not apologized. And what the governor has said has been woefully inadequate. He has said this was uh, inappropriate and a mistake. Uh, But what he needs to come out and say is this is heinous, this is shameful, and this is categorically false. And the most important thing that he should do is to say that the accusations in this really hateful fear-mongering mailer are completely baseless and it's it's it this is just the worst kind of dirty politics and it's it's doesn't escape my attention and and many new yorkers attention that this was uh, dropped on the eve of rosh hashanah when so many observant people this is literally the last uh piece of media they will be receiving before tuning out for the holidays and uh, at a time when anti-Semitism is real, a real threat in this country and uh, across the globe, it's the worst kind of, of fear-mongering for, for political ends. And I think Governor Cuomo needs to do a much better job uh, setting the record straight. And I think we need to figure out exactly this. This is not a mistake. This is not like a typo. A lot of people were involved in concocting this and executing it and approving it. And we need we need better answers. I read that the state Democratic Party has offered to send out a mailer with a message of your choice as a corrective. Have you arranged for such a mailer? I wonder when that mailer would go out. Would it perhaps arrive the day after the election or perhaps next week? Could be email, right? I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's so it's you're not, disingenuous. You're not trying to take advantage of that offer in any way. We're we're speaking to them about it, but as you can imagine, we don't have a lot of faith uh, after this really nasty, uh, un unprompted attack that anything they would do would actually have our best interests at heart. What would be your message on a last minute mailer? My my message on a last minute mailer would be. Don't don't believe don't believe the lies about Cynthia Nixon that I am fighting for a New York that works for all of us for for Jews for Muslims for uh, African Americans for Latinos for people in the disability community LGBT people for everybody that we that we need to have a New York that works for all of us we have the ability to do it here we're a very diverse very progressive state. But we have a, a state government now that is in thrall to, to big money and corporations, and they're determining our policies rather than attacking the incredible inequality, the economic, the racial, the gender inequality that's swallowing our state whole. And you don't support BDS. I do not support BDS, nor have I ever. But I have to say I do support people's ability, you know, I, I don't support, as the ACLU does not, um, Governor Cuomo's uh, attempt to create a blacklist of institutions and individuals uh, that, that do support it that he has tried to muffle and defund. So you're different on that policy point. Um, that would be different. You, you would be softer on people who do support PDS, BDS as governor. I don't think it's a matter is. of being softer. I think it's a it's a civil rights issue. I have I have my own opinion, which is that I have never been a, a supporter of BDS, but other people are entitled and other institutions are entitled if they think that's appropriate to 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 be there. One last thing on this. If Cuomo himself did not know of that language in advance, as he claims, they haven't identified the person or people who did approve it and fired them as uh, some people have called for. Do you have names to name or an appropriate remedy to recommend? I think that what, what, what we're seeing is the state Democratic Committee is taking the heat for this, as they should, but I think that we need to keep the heat on Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo controls the state Democratic Party. He always has. He's a micromanager. The idea that this went on without his, without his approval is, is bogus, as the New York Times themselves have said. Cynthia Nixon, my guest on WNYC for a candidate interview, and we'll get to your calls in a minute as she runs for the Democratic nomination for governor of New York. So the Times and Daily News have both endorsed Cuomo, and for some overlapping reasons. Let me give you the chance to talk back to these arguments because they look like these are the ones you have to overcome. One is the experience question. Your values and priorities may be better than Cuomo's in a lot of people's eyes, but the Times says your lack of experience in government or management of any sort do not inspire confidence that you could overcome the old guard to fulfill your promise to run the state. Why should people think otherwise? So I'm certainly not an Albany insider, but if you look at uh, the political experience that Andrew Cuomo has. Um, he's very good at consolidating his own power, grabbing headlines and raising money, but it doesn't actually mean um, he's good at governing. Certainly, you have only to look at the catastrophe that is the, the New York City subway, the decision after decision that he made to defund and divert funds uh, for the New York City subway that's led to this very avoidable crisis. If you look at 
uh, his woeful mismanagement of economic development, particularly upstate, hundreds of millions of dollars going into the pockets uh, illegally of his of his top donors, his Joe Prococo, his chief aide campaign manager going to, to prison, his chief economic development czar, Alan Calieros, going to prison. Um, if you look even just this weekend at what he did with the opening of the Mario Cuomo Bridge, um, this is not uh, a governor who is who is actually good at governing. This is a governor who will open a bridge and put New Yorkers' lives at risk. So those critiques are so right. So what I want to so what I want to say is that I am somebody wh- who is not an Albany insider, but has spent. Um, almost two decades fighting for LGBTQ equality, fighting for women's rights, and most especially fighting for better funding for New York public schools. And But and to the point of the Times to, critique to, right there, what's the biggest organization you've ever run? The, the, the point is not, um, to me, uh, what organization I have or haven't run. The point is, Anytime we've had fundamental change, and that's what we need here in New York State, and that's what we need across the country, we need fundamental change. That has come as a groundswell um, from the people and from people getting in, into office who are able to harness that energy and harness that that hunger and that drive. Um, we've had a lot of people elected to office who have said they were going to clean up Albany, but unlike me, um, they have been taking corporate contributions. And so w- what we have is an unprecedented number of people running for office for the first time this year because voters are so far ahead of where our party establishment leaders are. So coming into office, um, it would you, you have to understand the amount of what an earthquake it was when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez you know, uh, unseated Joe right. Crowley. But she'll be one of 435 members of the House of Representatives. You are asking people to take a leap of faith with you who've never run anything to be governor of the huge state of New right, York. Right, but just, right. But for example, I will be a, a Democrat who will actually work with other Democrats, not like our current governor who has handed over power to the Republicans through the IDC. Um, look at the amount of change that I've brought to New York politics just in the almost six months in which I've been running. Um, I we The IDC is now reconciled. We're now one vote away from controlling the Democrat state Senate. And I have to say that I think our campaign um, takes, a, takes a fair share of, of, of that victory. And the Daily News editorial endorsing Cuomo, which was tougher on you than the, the Times endorsing Cuomo, says pragmatism is not a word in your vocabulary, and you are disqualified, they say, by proposals so doctrinaire and simplistic, spending demands so profligate that they feel cooked up in the first meeting of a college democratic socialist club. And the first one they mentioned is you would loosen the property tax cap that's been, they say, one of Cuomo's most effective instruments for opposing some semblance of fiscal but restraint w- on the state. So tell our listeners, especially on Long Island and north right. of the city, where property taxes are such a big issue, why this is in their interest. So what I, what I have said is that if the localities themselves wanted to raise taxes um, in order to better fund their schools, that we shouldn't make it so difficult for them to do. 
that seems to me uh, a move toward democratization and that localities themselves should be able to make those those kind of determinations. And, and I have to say, um, we, what we've done now in the last seven and a half years is we've slashed taxes on corporations, on banks, on the wealthiest, and we've defunded not only the New York City subway, um, not only education, we, we've, we've disinvested um, in our infrastructure and our human services jobs at a point when we need to invest, particularly in minority and women-owned businesses. And we need, uh, this is what we need in New York and we have the ability to do. We don't need to be a kinder, gentler version of Trump, which is frankly what we have here in New York right now. But do you have an alternative means of keeping property taxes particularly in the suburbs, under control because that is such a big issue? Well, absolutely. So the campaign for fiscal equity, the $4.2 billion that's owed our school kids, the thing that I've been fighting on for 17 years, one of the great drivers up of property taxes is the need to pay for education. And what we see in New York State, thanks to Andrew Cuomo, is anything that is state and locally funded, he has reduced and reduced and reduced the state portion of that. So you so it falls much more heavily on the localities. So if if the state did what the highest court in New York has ordered it to do and actually level the playing field for, for students across the board, the state would take a much bigger piece of paying for education, which would make for a more just and more equal education system, mm-hmm. but it would also offer relief to, to property owners. So through a more progressive state tax system. Yes. And to that point, the Daily News also knocked you for not knowing in your interview with the editorial board as you promoted a millionaire's tax hike, what rate million dollar income people currently pay or what percentage of state income tax revenue they account for today. They didn't consider that a remote detail gotcha question, but that that knowledge I matters. Would, I would love to know, like, it, it's 8.82 and 40% comes from, from, from millionaires, but I would love well, to know. Well, now you know, right? Now I know, but I would also love to know um, if they would even consider asking Andrew Cuomo anything in that realm, because I guarantee you, he would not have the answers. And they say it does matter how much, given how much of your program for the state depends on hiking taxes on that group. So what percentage do you think it should be if it's 40% of the total income tax revenue now from million dollar uh, income people? What should it be to have the right progressive income tax without scaring the high earners out of the state? Uh, I think that we could, you know, my my proposal uh, includes raising, he, he cut taxes on everybody earning more than $300,000 a year. So I have different incremental taxes between three and five, between five and one, between one and two, between two and 10. Um, but the, 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 the very highest top rate for those earning $10 million or more would be would be 10 and a quarter. And it would still be less than California. If people really cared, if, if wealthy people, this was the determining factor about where they would live, we would not have so many wealthy people living in California or in New York for that matter. People with the wealth to determine where they live 
um, like to live where they, in, in states like New York where it's a good place to live. And what we are doing by disinvesting in our, in our, in our schools and in our infrastructure is making New York an, a, a less and less and a more and more unequal place to live and a worse and worse place to do business by, by defunding transportation and, and, and defunding things like, uh, like roads and, and clean water and sewage. You're listening to the Politics Brief Podcast. We'll be right back after a break. This week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, Congress has passed a law that will ban TikTok. But why? If you are going to take away an app used by 170 million people, I believe that lawmakers and the government who ostensibly work for us, the American people, owe us more information about why that divestiture is being moved forward. Debating the TikTok ban. That's the New Yorker Radio Hour from WNYC Studios. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Louisa in Morningside Heights. You're on WNYC with Cynthia Nixon. Hello, Louisa. Hi, thanks so much for taking my call. I wanted to start by thanking Ms. Nixon for running because I think you're awesome. And I am so, so close to voting for you. I really want to vote for you, but I unfortunately feel like I should vote for Cuomo. So one issue I keep coming back to is the Medicare for All and specifically how... um, you think we might pay for all that. I know in the debate, uh, Cuomo brought up that it's a great idea, but it hasn't really been illustrated, you know, in other areas nationwide, how we might cover the cost. So I think that might help me, you know, might help push me over the edge. Um, And I will take my call off the air just because I have a toddler who's okay thank you but thank thank you you. all right another toddler (laughs) makes their radio debut in their show (laughs) ms nixon how do you answer a question so what i want to say is there are a number of states that have tried and come close and haven't quite gotten there and we're not even trying in new york state we have the new york health act it's passed the assembly multiple times we're one co-sponsor away in the senate um the fact of the matter is yes it would be very expensive to implement, but we would save tens and tens of billions of dollars um, once we enacted it. The, the New York uh, Health Act says that the that once it's passed, the governor and the legislature will will collaborate and figure out the absolute best way to fund it, the most effective way. But it's a combination of uh, a payroll tax and a tax on on other things like capital gains. And this is money that would come out of people's um, paychecks uh, in the same way that Social Security does. But the fact of the matter is it would not, 98% of people would pay less for their health care and they would get better health care. Everyone would be insured. There would be no co-pays. There would be no deductibles. We would drive the cost of health care down. It's estimated by 40% because New York State would be the one entity that would be uh, negotiating with the health care industry and big pharma. And also, it would be a, a real job creator because employers would no longer be responsible for providing health care. And it's estimated that this would create... Um, 200,000 new jobs. It's 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 win-win. It's it's not something that's easily accomplished in 1 year or 2 years, but it's something 
that New York has to make a priority and fight for rather than, as Andrew Cuomo suggested at the debate, leaving it up to the federal government. This is something that we need um, as with as with marriage equality, we need to show how it can work in a number of states and that the the sky doesn't fall and and that's how we're going to get it finally on the federal level. Well, Cuomo's argument is that other states that have tried, like Vermont, have failed because it's too hard to make the math work just with the number of people at a state level. And I realize New York has a lot more people than Vermont. Um, but what I think you're describing is another, tax hike or collection of tax hikes from what you've just said and the balancing of the books for Medicare for all at the state level isn't even in this bill, which is very close to passing the legislature. So you talked about the millionaires tax hike before. You just added a few more. I guess your job is to convince New Yorkers that their premiums and co-pays are going to go away to a point that benefits them more than the extra taxes that they're going to have to pay. Absolutely, but also that all of the medical care that they're not receiving now because they're avoiding it because they actually can't afford it would be available to them. And if you look at the cost of, say, for a family that earns, say, $49,000 a year between their investment and their employer's investment, it's around $17,500. Once you would enact the uh, the, the New York Health Act, it would be it would a, a combination of cost of about thirty two hundred dollars. It's almost a sixth of the price, and the I believe the individual contribution would be like six hundred dollars. It's an enormous savings to them, um, for obviously health care that is substantively better. Nick in Brooklyn, you're on WNYC with Cynthia Nixon. Hi, Nick. Hi, uh, I was just calling to see if uh, Ms. Nixon has a good plan, a good solid plan to fix the subways. I, I feel like if uh, if you can fix the subways or uh, or even have a great plan to do so, you will have the votes of everyone in the city. <laughs> so we have we have a good plan. It's Andy Byford's plan. Um, I have some some he's modifications. A, he's a Cuomo appointee. He's a but as with so many other things, what Andrew Cuomo does, rather than invest in things, rather than fix in things, he does a study and then does nothing about it. So we we the Byford plan came out. We embraced it. He didn't embrace it for more than a week, and he did so partly, frankly, from pre with pressure from our campaign because it was making him look bad. We need to replace the 1930s-era signals. We need to replace the cars from the 60s and 70s that, are, that break down so much more frequently. Um, and we need to do communications-based train control so that we can run the trains much closer together, and we need to buy more new more new trains that we can get them on the track and run them closer together so there wouldn't be the incredible um, sardine-like conditions that what, there are now. But why do you think you could manage the unwieldy MTA into place to actually get the Byford plan passed without experience running organizations better than Governor Cuomo can? Because Governor Cuomo is not going to fight for it. Governor Cuomo is going to punt and punt and punt. What does fighting for it look like? Fighting you, for it. For what? For comprehensive congestion pricing, for a millionaire's tax and for a polluter's tax. This is a combination. Governor Cuomo won't even let the MTA release the price tag, much less say how he's going to, to pay for it or if he's going to pay for it. 
he, he, the congestion pricing that was passed this year in the legislature is a, is a, the absolute lowest hanging fruit just on for higher vehicles. It, it, it gets us nowhere near the ability to pay for it. And what Andrew Cuomo has shown again and again and again is he doesn't want to pass anything that's too progressive, and he certainly doesn't want to pass anything that he's actually going to have to pay for. On fixing the subways, one of the problems identified in New York Times reporting and elsewhere is bloated union rules compared to other subway systems that ours require too many workers doing too little on track repair and other capital items, for example. One of the positions you've taken that not just Cuomo but Mayor de Blasio has disagreed with is allowing public employees who are not first responders to strike. That would include transit workers. As governor, you would be the manager across the table from those unions. Uh, So can you offer them that extra bargaining leverage at the same time as saying you're going to be the one to manage the finances um, to fulfill the Biford plan? Yes, I can. But I I, I have to say that I think a lot of the bloating for how expensive it is to build a a mile of track here, five to seven times more than almost anywhere else on the planet, um, has to do more with the construction companies and the consulting companies. I think the East Side Access uh, extension right now has two billion plus uh, in 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 soft costs, which are going to consulting companies. And I think we absolutely need to look at cutting out this waste, cutting out the middleman, cutting out the the the, the giveaways. But we're not just even in in doing this, you know, in a more fiscally prudent way that's still not going to be enough to raise the revenue. We need a governor who will fight and will say, the New York City subway is a crisis and we need to come together and we need to raise the revenue and we need to pass comprehensive congestion pricing and a millionaire's tax. Martha in Queens, you're on WNYC with Cynthia Nixon. Hello, Martha. Hi, I just uh, wanted to say that uh, I've been listening to the Spanish radio and I hear Cuomo has a lot of advertisements there and targeting the Spanish community. And I was wondering, what have you done to reach out to the Spanish community? Um, I've, I've, uh, I've met uh, with a, a, a Noticias and, and, uh, and a number of, of Spanish language dailies. I've met, certainly um, had a lot of, of, spend a lot of time in the community. I'm very proud to have the endorsement of Melissa Mark Vivarito and Carlos Menchaca um, and the, the the mayor of San Juan, um, uh, Carmen Yulín Cruz and Antonio Reynoso. Um, and I, I think it's really important to understand how much corporate money uh, Andrew Cuomo has and how he's spending um, a half a million dollars a day. He has a very strong media outreach because of his corporate contributions, but I am seeing th- a lot of of support um, in immigrant communities and particularly in Spanish-speaking communities um, by my very strong support of expanding driver's licenses for all undocumented people, supporting the New York Dream Act in a way that Andrew Cuomo has paid lip service to but hasn't fought for, um, and su- and and supporting a much greater investment in minority and women-owned businesses. And the ads, and Martha, thank you for your call, uh, it's so one-sided. You know, you couldn't watch the TV run up to your debate against the governor because you were in it, but I saw on Channel 2 
they there were three commercials in a row, the mm-hmm. last things that ran before the debate that were for Cuomo or his running mate. Right. Um, and obviously none. Right. So he's raised $36 million, and I think it's worth noting that 0.1% of that have come in in small dollar donations from regular people. So here's my question. In the attorney general primary debate last week, I asked Letitia James about her fundraising from questionable sources like landlords when she's supposed to be a watchdog of the real estate industry. And she said there should be campaign finance reform that applies to everybody. She's very in favor of that. But she couldn't unilaterally disarm. And I wonder if you unilaterally disarmed by having the fundraising policy that you did, which progressives can't really afford to stick by and win. I, it, it is a cornerstone of my campaign that I not receive any uh, corporate funding because th- the fact of the matter is people don't people aren't turning out to vote for Democrats because they are not sure what we stand for anymore. They want to believe that we are fighting for working people, um, that, that we want they want to believe that we're fighting against economic and racial inequality. But as long as we continue to take enormous amounts of money from from the real estate industry, from fossil fuel corporations, from banks, from from a whole host of, of industries um, eager to do business with the state of New York, uh, we we voters are not going to turn out to 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 support Democrats because it's we don't they don't understand what we're what we're standing for. You are getting a knock from a few quarters today for running the ads that you do have just for these last days of the campaign today on 9-11, which is often a time that politicians don't run ads. So we are running uh, ads that are a very positive message about um, my vision for New York State, a vision for all of us, a a New York in which we can end cash bail, a New York in which we can have single-payer health care and 100% renewable energy. To me, there is no more patriotic thing that we can be doing on 9-11 than coming together, ads showing all different kinds of New Yorkers from all from all walks of life coming together wanting a New York that works for all of us. Do you have a plan with your experience in social policy activism but not much else politically for keeping New York safer, something people are thinking about on this anniversary, than Governor Cuomo can? I think that uh, what we need to be doing um, is not only talking about threats from without, which are very important, but we need to be doing a much better job of uh, funding schools, not jails, here in New York and police accountability. And if we really want to curtail the violence that's coming from within our state, a lot of it is coming from poverty and a lot of it is coming from a disinvestment in our in our young people, particularly um, our black and Latino kids. Um, and there are ways in which we're criminalizing our kids from the very earliest ages with metal detectors, with cops in schools. We know how to really do restorative justice in our schools and we need to fund it rather than rather than the over policing not just of communities of color but of of children of color of the er, of the earliest ages but no particular anti-terrorism plan per se uh no lisa in brooklyn you're on wnyc with cynthia nixon hi thanks for taking my call are you there go ahead yeah we're here go ahead lisa thank you um 
Ms. Nixon, your candidacy is compelling for so many reasons to so many of us who are progressive and really want an alternative to the current administration. Um, I think what I need to know to cast my vote for you is who's on your team, who's going to be helping you implement so many of these both progressive platforms and also the day-to-day -day work of running this huge state and this enormous city. Um, I will take my question, I'm sorry, my answer off the air, but um, I would really appreciate some details about who you have lined up to help you run the government should you win. So thank you. I mean, I, I, I think that I have assembled a really crackerjack team. Um, we're a very, we're a very bare bones team, but I, I have uh, hired people who, who share my progressive vision, who are really creative th people who think outside the box. Uh, and there are a number of people behind the scenes who have also been working with me um, on the campaign and would be, would be helping me build my administration. I'm not actually, I'm not at liberty to say who those are. I will be able to tell you who those people are when I win the Democratic uh, nomination. But I will tell you that my administration will be far more transparent, will be far more collaborative than Andrew Cuomo's, and that in Andrew Cuomo's Albany, um, fealty is always first and foremost to the governor and to making him look good. And everybody will understand coming into my administration, first of all, that it's a really exciting moment for New York to be the progressive bastion that it should be and that it has the ability to be and that people's allegiance will be to the people of New York um, and not to to always propping me up and making me the main event. I know you got to go in two minutes. I'll give you a one minute closing statement, open mic to finish. But for the other minute, what are you thinking today about the real controversy you started this week <laughs> when you had a cinnamon raisin bagel with locks and capers at Zabar's? Cinnamon raisin with locks? Really? I am astonished by how much controversy this seems to have generated. This is my go-to. Uh, this is my go-to uh, bagel uh, locks combo. This sweet and the salty um, is really delicious. And it, don't knock it if you haven't tried it. Think, uh, yes, and I would just say, you know, please, please turn out and vote on Thursday. Uh, September 13th, there is, I, not only am I running, Jumani Williams, Zephyr Teachout, all the IDC challengers, Julia Salazar, so many progressive candidates who really want to make New York all that it can be. Um, don't believe the polls. Don't believe the hype. We have a chance to to strike a blow for real progressivism here in 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 New York. But in order to do that, everybody has to turn out and vote. Cynthia Nixon, thank you again for coming in. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for listening to Politics Brief. If you want more, go to wnyc.org slash election.